how it lights my path, how it guides my way. David is going to be bringing the word to us today, and the theme is Father's Promise. But Leslie here is going to read us some Bible verses. The readings from John 14, verses 16 to 26, and then chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. This is Jesus speaking. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And then chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Oh, Father, we thank you that we've just been singing that your word is our daily bread. And Lord, we ask that you would come and feed us now, Lord, that the words that you have put on into David's heart for us um, will come and... Be, just be filled with your spirit as he speaks out and we'll, we'll come and feed our hearts and our spirits that we might be blessed. And I pray you'll bless David too. Fill him with your spirit as he speaks to us. Amen. When I first moved to Beckenham in the 1970s with my wife and our family, um, Beckenham used to have a cottage hospital. Um, I can't remember now whether it had two wards or four wards, but of course the men and women were completely separate. I think it possibly had four wards. And because it was in the parish of the Anglican Church um, that Anne and I went to, um, the vicar of the Anglican Church was the chaplain of the hospital, and he arranged with the medical staff that um, on a Sunday 
teams would go and uh, do short services in the ward. Um, and what, what used to be happened, we did two wards, one men and one, one women's ward. And the services were meant to last no longer than 30 minutes. And that included somebody coming with some musical instruments and playing, a, say, a couple of hymns. Um, and then there'd be a prayer. And then there'd be a, a short preach for about five to seven minutes, no more. Um, and then um, the whole team would go around the wards and would talk to people and do individual prayer for anyone who wanted it or just talk to these people. And I can remember um, occasionally I was asked to go and do the five to seven minute talk. And um, there was um, one Sunday in 1976, um, <clears throat> It was my turn to do the talk, and I was standing there to do it, and there was a big television at the end of the ward, and it was the final of, I think, the Olympic um, 800 metres race with, um, with British interest in it, and um, everyone's head was turned to the television <laughs> screen, and uh, it was almost as if I was preaching to dead people, you know, I was... I didn't have the experience to say, let's all watch this um, Olympic final and then I'll, I'll speak. So I, I, I preached against the background of this Olympic final and it was not very successful. <laughs> and guess what? They've got me to preach when it's the ladies in the World Cup final. <laughs> but fortunately, you haven't got a television up here. <laughs> The passage that we've read is telling us about Jesus sending us a helper. When do disciples receive the Holy Spirit? Now, different, um, different denominations say different things about this. But Jesus says he will send them to you. And I believe that when you commit your life to Jesus, when you repent of your sins... And when you commit your life to following him, that he sends you the helper. That's what I would believe. Some, some other denominations would say different things. It's when you're baptized that you receive the helper. And I think the best thing is for you to read and, and see what you believe. But that's what I believe. And, it's, and Jesus says that the helper... Will, whom I will send to you, he'll bear witness to me, and you will be my witnesses. So that when you receive the helper within your life, which is the Holy Spirit in another uh, phrase, um, you will become witnesses to Jesus wherever you go. And um, a little bit after the Gospels, you have the Acts of the Apostles, and in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, which is... 50 days after Easter Sunday, if you count Easter Sunday as one of them, so it's sort of like seven weeks beyond, but they, they count the Easter day and say it's 50 days, Pentecost, Pente is coming from the Greek for 50. Um, you, you will find that there was a, a noise like a violent rushing wind, and the house where the disciples were was filled, tongues of fire rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's this filling of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about. And it says that they spoke other languages. 
and they spoke to, in the language of Parthians, Medes, Elamites, who were people from Iraq, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. And they heard them in their own language, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, Livia, Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs, all heard languages, people speaking their own language. I mean, what is that, about 20 different languages or something like that? So presumably some of the disciples had more than one, and they were just speaking out this. So when do Christians receive the Holy Spirit? That's what I was saying a bit earlier. When do you actually receive the Holy Spirit? There's the story in Acts chapter 19 where Paul goes to Ephesus. Ephesus is um, a town on the western border of Turkey in our language nowadays. And Paul says to them, did you receive these, they've got these disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit um, when you believed? And they said, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. <laughs> and, and Paul says to them, who baptized you? And he said, we got the baptism of John the Baptist. And then Paul baptized them in the name of Jesus. And they immediately, they were filled and they began to speak in other tongues and to prophesy. When you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit, your helper, your comforter, your guide. Do you receive all his gifts at once? And the answer is no. And different people receive different ones. Let me give you an example. Anne and I were, as I say, in, my early, in our early days in Beckenham in a church that didn't really believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for now. They believed, as did a lot of other Protestant churches at that time, um, that the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for people in the early church. And once we'd got a Bible, we didn't need those gifts anymore. We had the Bible to tell us. And their doctrines were based on that. It was assumed that these manifestations um, declined after the early church was over. And because we had the Bible to lead us, we didn't need them. Now, I'm going to give you an example. Um, <clears throat> It was our son's 11th birthday coming up. Uh, we have um, a son and two daughters, uh, younger daughters. And uh, uh, we said to him, Anne normally had a birthday um, tea on the days that our children have birthdays. I say Anne because she tended to do it all and I just um, assisted. I was the helper, <laughs> but not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, and uh, we asked our son, what would he like first, or Anne asked him, what he, and he said he wanted to take all his friends to McDonald's. Now, nowadays, that means not very much, but in those days, McDonald's had only just come into England, and they had established three McDonald's restaurants in London. And it, was, it had come with a great deal of publicity. We had no experience of this McDonald's and one was in Croydon. And uh, so he said for his birthday tea, if we would take him and his friends, his, who was coming to his party, um, to Croydon, and they could all have a McDonald's, that would be the sort of thing that he would like. Just shows you what it was like in the 70s, doesn't it? <laughs> 
And um, now uh, we had, I had a car and with, with my son and his two sisters and me, that's four. And um, an another of the uh, fathers of, of one of the guests of, said, I'll, I'll provide my car and I'll come too with you all and we can then get four or five others in the car. And so um, we went, and, and there was not really enough room for Anne. And Anne said to me, I don't mind not going, I'll, I'll stay at home, right? And so off we went to McDonald's um, to eat this tea, and Anne stayed at home, and she said she was in the back room of our house, and she was praying, and she suddenly felt enormous pressure. It was as though the room was filling up with water, you know, and it was, you, you, she could almost feel the pressure of the thing going up her body, right? And when it was coming towards her neck, she just shouted out, and she found she was speaking in tongues. Now, none of us had ever spoken in tongues, and I'm not sure that either of us had really much heard anybody speaking in tongues. But she just found after this pressure. And when I came home, was I delighted for her? No. Lord, why her and not me? <laughs> it, and um, there's no doubt it revolutionized her life. Um, and it was fantastic. And I was constantly thinking, oh, Lord, why not me? But it was at least two years later <laughs> where I held this slight grudge in my life that, <laughs> that all the blessing had been for her and not for me. And um, I, some friends in our church said, there's a, a visiting preacher coming around who's powerful in the Holy Spirit. Would you like to come and hear him? So I, um, I went to this meeting, uh, one Saturday evening it was, and this man went round and he said, he said to all of us, I've heard from the Lord that six of you are going to receive the Holy Spirit tonight. And so he came, and I was one of those who, and he laid hands on me, and I started speaking in tongues. This was two years or more after Anne had started to speak in tongues. I'd never spoken in tongues before. Um, and I was very excited about it, and I went home and I told Anne. Now, that was a Saturday night. On Sundays, my mother, who was a widow and had been a widow for years and years, I always used to drive over to Romford early on a Sunday morning, pick her up, bring her home, and then we'd go to church with her, and then she'd have Sunday lunch with us and stay for Sunday tea, and then on Sunday evening I would drive back to Romford. Romford's in Essex, if you don't know the geography, I don't know, about 20, 30 miles or something like that, and drop her home. And I was thinking, I was thinking, can I still speak in tongues? Can I still speak in tongues? But because of my mother and this sort of thing, I dropped her at home. And then I was coming back on the drive back to, to Beckenham, and I thought, I'm going to pull into a lay-by and see if I can still speak in tongues. <laughs> and you see how amateur and innocent we were in those days. Before. And I pulled into this lay-by, and I started to pray, and I found, yes, I can still speak in tongues. <laughs> and... And so I drove home, and, and so gradually, I mean, we, a few years after that, we moved into Ickes, and speaking in tongues was uh, 
I don't say a, a much more common thing, but people spoke in tongues, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for here and for now. Um, in, in Corinthians, Paul writes, yeah, pursue love, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one who undertake, uh, understands but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries, but the one who prophesies speaks to us for our building up. So the priority of the church is love and demonstrating love. Spiritual gifts are good to have but they're not the be-all and end-all. We are to be in a thing where we're seeking to build up the members of the church in, in Jesus. And love should be our priority. In the New Testament, in Paul's letter to Corinthians, he lists individual gifts. They're not meant to increase the importance of the individual believer, you know? that he can say, I've got this and this and this. They are meant for the building up of the church. And they are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 13. And sometimes it's difficult to know exactly what they are. And I've spent time with commentaries trying to say, and different commentaries say they mean different things. So um, the first one, Paul's, is a word of wisdom. You can have the gift that you have a word of wisdom. What does it mean? That you become clever and can do maths? No. It, it says, at least one interpretation that I said, the ability to counsel others with supernatural insight. So when somebody's coming to you and you're praying for them, you get a supernatural insight into what may be the cause of the blockage in their life or something like that. And I... That seems to me as, as good as any of the explanations I read for what the word of wisdom is. It's something that you are given, that you get spiritual insight into people's um, hindrances or blockages when they, they're coming for prayer. Then they talk about the word of knowledge. Paul talks about, what does the word of knowledge mean? And I've read somewhere, and it's an ability to teach the faith to other people. So you may need a word of knowledge. If you're in, um, in a class where you're speaking to people, an adult Bible class, a children's sun, Sunday school, sorry, it's not Sunday school anymore, is it? Children's tea church or whatever it is, you may need the ability to speak the faith. And then he talks about the gift of faith. And that could be the ability to trust God against all the circumstances. When everything points to something that you're being let down and that you're not achieving and you're not moving forward and you're not doing that, the ability to say, like Martin Luther did, here do I stand. And it's to stand on the faith and on the trust. And it, it gives you the ability to do that under all circumstances. And it is a gift. 
Then it talks about having the gift of miracles. And I think the gift of miracle is when the Holy Spirit overrides the laws of nature. So when Jesus spoke to Peter and said, come out and walk across the water, right? That's, that's a miracle, isn't it? It's, uh, the law of nature says that you can't walk on water. You're going to sink. But if, if you have the gift of miracles, maybe in your own life you are able to override the laws of nature. I don't, I don't have this gift, and I'm not sure that I've, I've met anyone who does. But I think that that's what miracles probably does mean. You, you have the ability to attempt things that, other words, are miraculous things, and, um, and, it, and, and you succeed in it. Another gift is prophecy. Telling what God's message is. Maybe, it may be foretelling the future. That's what we tend to think of prophecy, don't we? We think that someone who's doing a prophet is going to say what's happening in a year or two or two or three years or something like that. But it's not necessarily, it's saying what is God's message for the present time. And perhaps you, you, you get a vision of how God should be speaking to the church. What are the things they need to concentrate on to individuals of the church? And being able to speak out. They then, Paul lists, disting, distinguishing of spirits. Ability to tell the difference between true doctrine and false doctrine. There are some awfully amazing... Um, things that people said. I remember when they found um, um, a whale in London. I don't know if you can remember this a few years ago. And there were all sorts of prophecies of what this, this whale being trapped in, in London was. And I can remember Faith saying, I don't believe those <laughs> things. But it's the ability to tell what is, you know, because people want to make capital or, or say things out of this. And it's the ability to be able to discern what is the truth. What is God saying to us? at a special time. Speaking in tongues, a personal language in prayer. Um, that can be, um, very often in the church, um, you hear people speaking in tongues. And for most of us, it would be um, no different if they were speaking gibberish, because it's not our tongue and we can't understand it. But there are some times when speaking in tongues, well, I'm sure that in all times when it's genuine speaking in tongues, it's a genuine language. It's just often not the language that any of us know. When the, when the disciples got it at Pentecost, they were speaking genuine languages. They didn't know them, but they were speaking God's truth in language that were known and recognized by the audience. And I have read places where people have had the gift of tongues and they've spoken something like this, and the person has understood um, who they were with, what, what the tongue is. Interpreting tongues. When someone speaks in tongues, you often get people who've got the gift of interpreting, and they say, what the Lord is saying through that tongue is this. I want to give you another example from my wife, Anne. My wife, Anne, um, was asked to go to Sweden to speak at a women's conference. And it was being held in Swedish. Um, and <clears throat> Anne was there sitting in the background um, 
because she was going to be the next speaker after the, the first speaker who was speaking, and they gave her a translator to sit next to Anne. And the translator started um, listening, and then she got so excited by what the first woman was saying that she stopped translating. And I think at first Anne said, I'll remind her, <laughs> she's supposed to be told. I think she did it. But then the, the lady got more excited about it and, and she stopped translating. So Andrew thought, it, Anne thought, it's not worth it. I'll just sit here and listen. And then as she sat there and listened, she heard what the person who was speaking Swedish was saying in English. The Holy Spirit was doing the translation. And at the end of this woman's talk, uh, the translator said, oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot, I, I, I was just too enthralled by this speaker, I stopped translating for you. And Anne said, don't worry, this is what she said, and Anne went right through all that the speaker had said, and she said, yes, that is exactly. Let me give you another example, they're not my examples, they're Anne again. Um, Victoria, who's here sitting in the thing, she invited Anne many years ago to speak to a, a women's conference in, uh, in Nigeria. And um, I can remember the thing because um, I drove Victoria and Anne in the car to Gatwick for them to catch the plane. I'm, I, Victoria's probably got a better idea of what, I mean, the past is a hidden thing for me. I can't remember whether this was the 1980s, 1990s, or 2000s, whatever it was. It was quite a long time ago. And Victoria told me this song, and I'd never heard Anne tell this to me. They were in Nigeria on quite a long um, journey, and um, there were, I think, four or five Nigerians in the car, and Anne driving along. And <clears throat> All the Nigerians were talking to each other in Hausa, which is the, um, the Nigerian language, right? And Anne was there on her own, not speaking a word of Hausa. And when they came to a stop, Anne said to them, yes, I would like to speak to my husband, David. And, and Victoria said to her, how did you know that that's what we were talking about? And Anne said, sometimes when I'm relaxed, the Holy Spirit translates languages for me. Now, I never knew this story until Victoria told it to me about um, two months ago or three months ago. It, do you see that the Holy Spirit can sometimes do things that we would think incomprehensible? One thing, if you've studied and you know a language and you can do it, but if you've, you've never studied and you don't know any of the grammar or any of it, and you're just sitting there and the Holy Spirit, maybe you can interpret tongues. In two other passages in the scriptures, in Ephesians and in uh, Romans, Paul writes about different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And here they are ministries. And he talks about, you may be given the ministry of a prophet, or an evangelist, or a pastor, or a teacher. And that's you find in Ephesians. And he, he speaks about, um, in Romans, very similar, prophecy, ministry, teacher, exhortation, which is um, really like an evangelist. 
But he, Paul adds in Romans, and giving. Do you ever think of giving as a Holy Spirit gift to you? To be able to give with liberality to the work of God. It, it's, Paul lists it as in the same, where he talks about prophecy, where he talks about ministry, where he talks about teaching or evangelism or exhorting people. He says, and giving. Giving is another of the, um, the, the spiritual gifts of God. We earnestly need to ask God to give. Spiritual gifts are not made, given to us to make us feel more important, more, oh, look at him, he's, um, he's a real prophet, or she is um, a real evangelist or something. The spiritual gifts are to build up the church. And it's in the building up of the church that God gives gifts to us that we may use them for his purposes. I just got one final story. It's a book I read years ago um, of um, a man who was in those days working for the China Inland Mission. When, when um, Christians were thrown out of China in whatever it was, 1948 or something like that, the China Inland Mission stopped calling themselves the China Inland Mission because they couldn't get into inland China. But, so they called themselves the Overseas Missionaries Fellowship. And they still exist now as the OMF um, because they can't really get into China. But this was in the days when they could get into China. And there was um, a youngish Christian who was um, working out there for them. And one of the Chinese people came to him and said, I'd like to um, borrow some money from you. I've got to go back to my home village and I'm responsible for certain things could you lend me some money to cover me over till I can pay you back? Now, the China Inland Mission had an absolute rule that you didn't lend money. And so he said, no, I can't do that. I can't lend you this money. But that night he went home and he really prayed about this. And he felt that the Holy Spirit was saying to him, lend him the money. Now, contrary to the rules of the society, he, he believed what he thought the Holy Spirit was saying. And you're never totally confident you got it right. You know, the, these... Sorry, I'm just saying to you that sometimes you, you're doing things in faith and you're not sure. It's a, you know, it's, it's not us. You've got a piece of paper where the Holy Spirit says to you, you've got to lend him the money. But he decided that he would go ahead, break the rules of the society, and lend money. I read this in a, a book some years ago, and I can't even remember the book. But, and then a bit later, perhaps a month or two later, they were doing sort of an exploration where they were, where they were going around and preaching about Jesus in different Chinese villages. And they came to the same village where this man came from. And he greeted them with great joy, and he said, here's the money that you lent me. And he gave him back all the money. And then he went round, he was high up in the sort of strata of the village, and he said, this man is a really good man. You need to listen to what he tells you. And uh, 
they got tremendous opportunities to preach the gospel and to have people who were willing to listen because of, of that one action he'd done. Following the Holy Spirit can be risky, you know? I'm sure that if his, his elders had come, they'd have said, what on earth did you um, lend that money um, for? Can you, can you hear the Holy Spirit accurately? Um, I was going to say it's, it's difficult to know sometimes. Sometimes you've just got to. I'd be finished in less than that. <laughs> Very good to have Paula as the, <laughs> Paula as the leader. <laughs> what happens if I go on for 10 minutes, Paula? Do you bring out a whip? <laughs> no, I... What I want to say is really, um, it, it is incredible the things that the Lord is offering to us, and, uh, and we need to be open to receive from the Holy Spirit. For many years, the churches I went to weren't open to receive, and then when I came to Ickness, I, I, I found that as I, the longer I stayed in Ickness, the more, I don't know whether Ickness changed and they became more open to the Holy Spirit, or whether it was always like that, I just hadn't, didn't pick it up when I first came in. And I came in in 1981, my first time, I think, with Anne. Um, but it is, I just want to say, these are things that are not finished with the early church. They are meant to be present gifting, present fruits, present ministry to us. We need to be listening and listening for the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we need to not be jealous like me when Anne received <laughs> the gift and I didn't. Um, you, you need to keep on just talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, please make me equipped to equip others in the church. I'm just going to close with that. I'm just going to pray if I may. Father, please make us open to hear your voice and to... Yeah, to seek to be so close to you that we can, I was going to say we can hear a pin drop, that if it's like a pin drop of your verse, words to us, that we may be able to hear it, discern it, and be obedient to whatever you call us to do. Thank you, Lord, for your kingdom. Thank you for your love, and thank you for the way you want to bless us over and over again. Amen. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living